0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Kodo's Cinema. And today we are doing my top 10 favorite fourth installments. And I'm your host, Mark Kodo. Now, just to be clear, uh, these are basically fourth installments for film for or movies, I should say. So that means uh, fourth installments can fall into a certain category, where, whether it's a sequel prequel, spin-off, continuation or just a reboot or, or or in any type of movie category. So so yeah, so expect to see some expect to see a couple maybe at least one or two prequels or spin-offs, maybe maybe a few sequels and like reboots or something. So anyway, on we go, on we go. Number 10, Star Wars Episode 1: The Phantom Menace. Okay, it may be the first installment of the prequel trilogy, but it is the fourth installment of the Star Wars franchise. And yes, we can all agree that Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, is not everybody's favorite Star Wars movie, despite the flaws that it has with some characters and plots and writing, particularly Jar Jar Banks. And yes, we can all agree on that, but that doesn't mean it's not bad. It's not. It's not terrible. It's not terrible, but for me, it's actually a pretty good fourth installment, installment in the Star Wars franchise. And uh, and from what I like about episode one is particularly the action sequences, uh, some of the acting, particularly Ewan McGregor's performance as Obi-Wan Kenobi, including the, the pod race sequence, or pod race, pod race uh, sequence, as well as the final battle between Obi-Wan Kenobi, Darth Maul, Actually, well, actually uh, switch that around. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Qui-Gon Jinn, and Darth Maul. The final battle itself is still the highlight of episode one. Not to mention, um, John Williams's musical score that always gives me excitement and hype for, for Star Wars. Liter- literally anything that John Williams does for, for music in any of his films is literally good. It's literally real good. Real good. And continuing forward, I know, yes, I agree. Uh, Star Wars episode one may not be everyone's favorite, but hey, it's a favorite of mine in the fourth installment. All right, moving on. Number nine, X Men Origins Wolverine. Okay, people. Yes, uh, some of the some of the movies I have uh, on this list will probably gonna be some that are pretty bad. But you know, some of the bad movies that I called so bad they're good, I actually enjoy. So so yes, yes. Uh, so, yes. Oh, and by the way, a uh, spoiler alert for for the mo- for these movies that I forgot to mention. Anyway, uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine is the fourth installment of the X-Men series. Yes, that is right. That is correct. X-Men Origins Wolverine is the fourth installment of the X-Men franchise. Not to mention the first installment of the Wolverine standalone uh, trilogy. Now, yes, to be fair, this movie did have a lot of problems, particularly... Um, the, the the plot, the the overuse of CGI, particularly in Wolverine's claws. Although uh, although yeah, although I think the claws are cool, but I didn't realize that the CGI in the claws was pretty bad in this movie. Not to mention the uh, the characters not being at the, at their source material, particularly Deadpool. Yes. We all know what happened to Deadpool in that in that movie, and thankfully the twenty sixteen Deadpool movie poked fun of that. So, yep. Although, uh, let's talk about why X Men Origins Wolverine is, is considered to be my favorite fourth installment. So, what I actually like about this movie is basically the chemistry between Wolverine and Sabretooth, or should I say, uh, uh, Victor Vic, Victor Creed, played by. Played by Liv Schreiber. And as always Hugh Jackman. Plays Wolverine perfectly. And I actually like their chemistry. And rivalry in this movie. They actually did pretty well. Pretty well in this movie. Particularly ba- particularly based on their rivalry. Since uh, they are mostly rivals in the comics. And not to ma- and what I also like about this movie. Is basically. Well actually, basically. That's kind of what I like about this movie. Although I do like the action sequences though. They're actually. They're very good. I really enjoyed their action sequences. They were very good. Although the story itself, I mean, yes, yes, the story itself may be, may be bad, but I actually enjoyed the story. It's actually pretty good origin story origin story for uh, a standalone Wolverine film. But, yes, it did have the X-Men, X-Men elements to it. And with other Wolverine sequels, it has actually, actually builds up to a pretty good uh, Wolverine trilogy. So that's why I like X-Men Origins Wolverine as one of my favorite fourth installments. All right. Uh, moving forward, number eight, uh, Rocky Four, the fourth installment of the Rocky franchise, uh, has Sylvester Stallone going up against uh, Ivan Drago, played by Dolph Lundgren. Now, now, yes, for an eighty, for uh, for an eighties movie, there is bound to be some cheesy cheesy moments, and that kind of makes sense. That really does make sense. But yes. Even though uh, some people didn't like Rocky IV, but I actually do do I actually do enjoy Rocky IV because of because of the the soundtrack that they had was actually pretty good of eighties music. It did have a good sense of fun in the soundtrack and something to tap along when watching this movie. Not to mention the the final fight between Rocky and Ivan is considered to be one of the greatest. Uh, Fights of all time in in the Rocky in the Rocky franchise, and yes, uh, it is sad that that uh, Rocky had to fight Ivan Drago due to due to uh, Apollo Creed uh, due to Apollo Creed getting killed in the ring by by Ivan Drago, and yes, and yes, uh, that that is pretty pretty sad. Uh, but anyway, but anyway, the film the film itself is actually pretty good for a for a movie. 80s movie. The film itself is actually pretty good, and I actually do enjoy Rocky IV for for the soundtrack and the, the, for the soundtrack, and the final fights, and I thought the performance of performances of Sylvester Stallone and and Dolph Lundgren are very good. I mean, they they literally did very well with the with the final fights. All right, moving forward, number seven, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I feel like this movie get gets a lot of hate for. Um, for, for the CGI and I can understand that, but at the same time, it's actually is actually a pretty good film, and it, it did get some good reviews. It did get a uh, good score, of seventy seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and the reviews were actually pretty pretty good, pretty solid and and positive. But yes, yes, it did have its flaws, but 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 uh, well, let's let's explain why I like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So basically. It is the fourth installment of the Indiana Jones uh, franchise. As always, Harrison Ford uh, puts up a good, puts up a very good performance as Indiana Jones, and uh, and this uh, takes place this takes place in uh, 19, 1957, So basically, uh, during the cold, War, so basically during the parts of the Cold War. Anyway, uh, so basically, this has Indi- Indiana Jones uh, finding, going on an adventure, finding the the crystal skull. And what I actually like about this movie, the action sequences were actually pretty good. I mean, some of them, I think some of them were, I think some of them were practical. Well, yes, like most of them was used, was by using visuals, particularly, uh, I think the jungle sequ- I think the jungle chase did have some uh, um, CGI moments, yes, with uh, the flying mon- the monkeys and Shia LaBeouf swinging, swinging with them, mo- swinging, swinging with the monkeys and... And yeah, that was kind of one of the one of the other aspects of why this movie was wasn't that good. But, eh, but anyway, uh, moving forward, uh, I I do enjoy this movie. I mean, like I said, the action sequences. Although I do enjoy um, John Williams's musical score, which again he did a very amazing job with the with the score. Character characters characters were also interesting, including uh, Karen Allen's return as Miriam Ravenwood, which is actually pretty is actually surprising. And uh, fun fact this is this was actually my first Indiana Jones movie that I have ever seen in theaters back in 2008 that was literally uh, that was literally a movie I actually enjoyed it was pretty good it was pretty good I mean not uh, I mean I mean not it was it's not bad it's not bad it's actually pretty good and that's why I I like this movie that I, I really do enjoy this movie all right uh, movie forward number six Jurassic world all right uh even though Jurassic World, Jurassic World is kind of a reboot, but it still serves as a fourth installment to the Jurassic Park uh, franchise. Now, this did introduce two new characters, including, uh, Chris, including rising star, Chris Pratt, and as uh, as Owen. as uh, as Owen I think that's his name. Yeah, yeah, I believe that's his name. And uh, now in this movie, I now in this movie they created another dinosaur called the Dominix Rex which is actually I believe they call it a genetic hybrid or something but anyway uh, what I like about uh, Jurassic world is basically the visuals of the dinosaurs are very good um, I thought the story I thought the story itself was actually real good they actually handled it pretty well and uh, not to ma- not to mention uh, it did uh, it did have a very awesome final battle between the Indominus Rex and the T-Rex. That is literally amazing. Something that fans uh, were waiting for since uh, since the first three Jurassic Park movies, not to mention always the thir- uh, the final battle literally reminded all of us of how good the first Jurassic Park movie was. Literally. Uh, even though I do enjoy Jurassic World, I think it's a good installment, good fourth installment in the Jurassic Parks franchise, but... But the original, the original Jurassic Park movie will always be a classic, literally a very good classic. And and we can't wait to see what uh, the third Jurassic World movie will look like pretty soon and sometime in 2020. Yep. All right, moving, moving forward, number five, Toy Story 4. Okay, so anyway, I had a couple of doubts with Toy Story 4 before uh, it came out. Anyway, I didn't know what the the plot will be like, what the story will look like, because because uh, Toy Story three did have a good send off. It had a very good ending and send off to the toys, including Andy. But uh, actually, after the movie, after the movie trailers came out, I actually had a change of heart. I actually thought the trailers looked pretty good, and when I went to see this movie, it was very good. I actually really really enjoyed it. Not to mention, the animation is actually pretty good. They did update the animation a little bit. Well, even for a Disney Pixar movie, it's actually pretty good. Not to mention, uh, uh, this uh, this movie did uh, honor the Don Rickles, who pl- or Don Rickles, I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing this correctly, who voiced Mr. Head. He passed away before uh, before the production of this film. And fun fact, they actually used some archive audio footage from from the other Toy Story movies, including video games, to uh, co- to rewrite to rewrite some of his dialogue, dialogue, and I thought they did pretty well with it. Anyway, anyway, it did uh, it did brought back Bo Peep, which is actually surprising because uh, because I think that's what people were wondering for this fourth film: will they ever bring back Bo Peep? And that was actually a surprise, and I thought that that was actually pretty good. And and uh, and uh, and yes, there were some callbacks, including some new callbacks of what it means to be a toy. And I thought the new characters, uh, like uh, Tony Tony Hale as uh, I think that's how I'm saying that to- Tony Hale voiced uh, Forky, Forky with a new addition to uh, uh, with Keanu Reeves voicing Duke Kaboom including Keegan-Michael Key as uh, a stuffed duck and Jordan Peele as a stuffed bunny with Crazy crazy uh vision vision ideas which I thought was very funny. <laughs> Literally very funny. Literally I like the new characters too. And I thought that send-off and the send-off at the end was actually pretty good. I mean like spoiler alert, Woody leaves the gang to be with Bo Peep at the end of the movie, which was actually uh heartbreaking, emotional and very good send-off for for Woody and the gang. Which I thought that was very good. I thought that was very very good, and I and uh, dependent whether or not they continue with the Toy Story franchise or not, but I thought Toy Story Four was pretty good, and uh, that got me thinking they'll probably do uh, some spin-offs with uh, Duke Kaboom or maybe with the with the the stuff the t- with the stuffed duck and the stuffed uh, bunny for future shorts. Fr- Future spin-offs, whether they come out as shorts or maybe a, a full movie. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa! As of now, let's we'll see what happens. But anyway, Toy Story Four is one of my favorites in the fourth installment franchise. All right, moving on. Number four: Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. M- making a, making number four as the fourth installment of the Harry Potter franchise, including the fourth installment of the Wizarding World. Harry Potter and the Goblet. of Fire. Goblet of Fire has tackled tackled some many important themes, particularly adult adulting adulthood, and as always the casting of characters, which includes Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, Rupert Grint as uh, Ron Weasley, and uh, Emma Watson as Hermione Granger, were all very good in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. So ba- basically, uh, basically they also had the the return of Voldemort. Which is actually surprising in, in the fourth installment of the Harry po- of the Harry Potter film. Now, uh, now basically with the Goblet of Fire part, this was basically based on a uh, a contest called the Triwizard Tournament. And with the Goblet of Fire, they had they needed uh, students that are above the age of seventeen to participate in that competition. What was actually surprising is that. Uh, Harry Potter's name. Someone put Harry Potter's name in the Goblet of Fire. Not to mention, Harry Potter was 14 in this movie, which is actually surprising, because it tackled a lot of uh, adulthood themes. Because, because uh, like like I mentioned, like you got in the Harry Potter movie for the Goblet of Fire tournament, uh, you had to be over at the age of 17. At the age of 17 to participate and it's actually surprising of how they let harry potter be in the competition which is basically which is basically basically surprising for harry potter since he was 14. i also like like i also still like the um the action sequences though they started re- they're still pretty good visuals are re- real real good too and the dragon battle with Her- and the dragon battle with Harry Potter and a Hungarian Tale was actually a pretty good, pretty good moment in that film, which I actually enjoy, and uh, oh man, I wish I could, oh man, there's so much more to talk about, but anyway, uh, anyway, it did tackle a lot of adulthood, adulthood themes in that movie, which I really thought was a good addition to the Harry Potter franchise, as each movie, each movie in the Harry Potter franchise uh, tackles a lot of adult, of of adulthood, which I thought that was pretty good. All right, uh, moving forward, number three, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Well, speaking of Disney and Pixar, uh, Brad Bird, uh, w- Brad Bird took a break from uh, doing animated movies to directing his first ever live-action film, which is Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, Protocol. Now, I give I I I I give Brad Bird points for literally making an awesome an awesome Mission Impossible movie because Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol is considered to be one of the greatest Mission Impossible movies of all time. And uh, and and with, speaking of Brad, Brad Bird, he also had a composer Michael Gia I I'm, I'm pronouncing I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, Michael Gia Giacchino, who also composed the uh, the score for Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol uh, while JJ uh, Abrams and Tom Cruise were also producing this film, speaking of which, Tom Cruise also stars in this film as well. And what I like about Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol is literally the amazing is literally how it still has the spy thriller theme to it, as to what Brad Bird did in his uh, in his animated film The in his Dizzy and Pixar film The Incredibles which he later went on to do it again in The Incredibles 2 in 2018. Anyway, and basically, uh, basically, I do. there's so many good moments in Mission Impossible 4, it's hard to pick one that I really enjoy. But I feel like it's literally the tallest tower, tower scene where uh, Tom Cruise was literally, literally cl- climbing a glass tower. Literally, I thought the cinematography was amazing for that. It just wonders how were they able to film that. And oh man, I forgot the name of that tower. Oops, excuse me. Uh, I forgot the name of that tower. Anyway, I, I I literally forgot the name of the tower. But it was that moment alone was literally amazing. due to the cinematography and it gets you wondering how did they film it. And as always, uh, the score by Michael Giacchino was also great, including the opening, including the opening credits. Like they did very well with the opening credits sequence. I think it was basically. I think it was the dynamite sequence, because I. Th- because I'm pretty sure they did something like that in the original Mission Impossible series. Anyway, anyway that's why uh, I really enjoy Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. And um, I think there's another one coming out. I think there are talks of a possible seventh Mission Impossible movie that will be coming out. But anyway, anyway, uh, anyway, moving forward. Number two, Mad Max Fury Road. Okay, when I started making this list, I thought this would be my number one, but anyway, uh, number one would be coming up pretty soon, I think it's going to be obvious for that, for the number one spot. But anyway, number two is Mad Max Fury Road. Continuing on with in the post-apocalyptic world, Max, played by uh, Tom Hardy, who used to be played by Mel Gibson, is is later later again who is on a mission for survival in a post-apocalyptic world. Basically, this film deals with the whole survival theme since, uh, as we all know, pol- in a, po- a post-apocalyptic setting deals with the survival theme. Now, now what I actually like about this movie is basically the, the action sequences, the score by Junkie XL, George Miller returning to direct the fourth installment, who, li- who previously directed the third films. And also, fun fact, he also directed... Uh, the the Babe the Babe movie including uh, the uh, 2006 ha- animated film Happy Feet. Now, now what I really like about this movie and continuing on is basically the, the the great direction by George Miller er, Miller, including the writing. I thought the score by Junkie XL, aka Tom Hokenberg, was uh, was literally amazing, and and uh, literally, literally the costume design, the makeup, even the cinem- cinematography is excellent. Like literally. It's literally amazing. You can tell, like, like the movie itself was literally amazing. I, I I can't even describe. I can't even describe it. I'm literally out of words. Not to mention, uh, uh basically Max is teamed up with Furiosa, played by Charlie Theron, to um, to go on the survive to be on the survival mission from uh from the villainous. In Mortan Joe played by Hugh Keyes Burns who re- who recently played another villain in the first Mad Max film uh, as uh, the motorci- motorcycle gang leader Toe Cutter. And it's actually surprising. I really enjoyed this movie. It's literally an amazing an action an amazing action movie. It literally keeps me me on the edge of the seat, including the audience as well. Fun fact, it, it was nominated for 10, ten Oscars, winning 6. That's actually pretty amazing, making it the first Mad Max film winning the Oscar in the Mad Max in the Mad Max franchise. All right, uh, moving forward, uh, number one, Avengers: Endgame. I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys saw this coming because taking the top spot on this list is the film that culminated 22 22 Marvel Cinematic Universe movies since 2008 Iron Iron Man. That's right, Avengers Endgame. As I mentioned last week about Avengers Infinity War, the story was all over the place. Now, same with Endgame. Now Endgame picks up where Infinity War left off, which is basically uh, basically Thanos wiping out half of humanity. And now and now he is ineditable, ineditable. And yeah, and yes, this sto- this film alone literally takes the time tr- Time traveling genre into a whole new level. Literally, what I like about this movie is literally the story itself. They did a very nice job with the story and the performances, particularly of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, was very was very good. And I thought the other cast members were very good as well as their character as their characters. And uh, the musical score by, by Alan Silvestri was also good too. Joe and Anthony Russo's direction, screenplay. Oh man, the visual visuals, literally, literally everything about this movie was literally very good. Especially the final battle. The final battle of Avengers Endgame blew my mind. Literally seeing everybody return all the characters. Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, The Guardians of the Galaxy. Even even uh, even 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 the Ravagers. Including the Asgard Asgardians, man, so many characters like re- have returned. So many characters have returned in this movie to face off against the mad Titan Thanos. Literally amazing, like literally, literally. The final battle was literally amazing. Blew my mind away. Literally, is everything amazing? And that's why, um, and that's why Avengers Endgame is considered to be my number one choice for my top ten favorite fourth installments. And uh, and as for Iron Iron Man, we love you three thousand. Sorry, I had to do that. I I had to. I had to people. I'm sorry. I had to. It was, it was very good. <laughs> All right, and there you have it, my top ten favorite fourth installments in movies. All right. Uh, yes, I know. Uh, some of the, some of these movies. Uh, at the start, I know uh, the first the first four movies. Not I'm not talking about the top. I'm not talking about the top, I'm not talking about the top six, I'm talking about like the first four movies from the bottom, yes, I know they did have their fair share of flaws, but I do, I did and do enjoy the, I do enjoy those movies, those four, other four movies from the bottom, from the bottom of my list, I do enjoy the, enjoy those four of the films, and, and I know, I know some people may say there's, they can be still bad, but you know, they're actually pretty good. I do enjoy Star Wars Episode X X-Men Origins, Wolverine, Rocky IV, and Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of Crystal Skull. I do enjoy, enjoy those movies, despite the flaws. And basically, that is just my point of, of those movies anyway. And as always, Avengers Endgame is my number one top choice for favorite four installments of all time. And that actually came into my mind since I went to see Avengers Endgame. And literally, it was literally everything I can ever expect for that film film anyway. All right, so anyway, that's that's it for today for Kodo's uh, Cinema. Anyway, uh, if you guys have a fourth in- favorite fourth installment that you have in mind, uh, please uh, please don't don't be afraid to don't be afraid to uh, explain explain and do it on- don't be don't be afraid to do it or explain anyway. Any- anyway, uh, thank you all for tuning in and I hope you all have a very good Monday Monday afternoon, and as an and an amazing week, and I hope I hope everyone's uh, family weekend went pretty well because um, because my family week weekend was actually pretty good. And as uh, as always, uh, enjoy your Monday as well as your uh, week week in col- week in college. I am your host Mark Coto. I will see you all later. Have a good day, everyone.